It is your money. I'm Susie Jones, host of the show. Actually, just more like the ringleader. Happy to have you with us as we talk all things money this hour on the Wealth Enhancement Your Money Show. We have with us, as always, the founder of Wealth Enhancement and financial advisor, Bruce Helmer, as well as senior financial advisor, senior vice president and financial advisor, Peg Webb. Welcome to both of you. Hope everybody's well. Hey, Susie. I think Peg is actually uh, taking a well-deserved week off this week, but you are, as always, an awesome ringleader. Thank you for being the ringleader. (laughs) It's my pleasure. (laughs) In Peg's absence, we're actually really fortunate to have with us today. Uh, Frequent listeners to the show will recognize today's guest. She's been on with us oftentimes over the years. We're fortunate to have Rhonda Whitenack with us today. Rhonda is a public relations and benefits training representative with the Social Security Administration. She's based here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metropolitan area. She covers Minnesota and Wisconsin. Uh, and the, the, Rhonda, the best thing I would say about you, and I, and I don't want to embarrass you, but you are very knowledgeable, but you also have the ability to share what you know with others in a way that we can actually understand it. And not everybody has that gift, and you clearly do. You're a great guest. It's always good to have you on. And listeners, listen up. Today's a great day. Text or call if you have any questions on Social Security. Today's the day to, to, to ask that question because Rhonda will know the answer. So, again, 651-461-9226. We'll definitely have time for questions before the end of the show. But Rhonda, I know you wanted to start today. This is the time of year where Social Security announces the adjustments for the following year, cost of living adjustment and things like that. And there's, I think, some other new things with regard to Social Security that you want to uh, inform our listeners on. Rhonda, thank you for being with us today. We're so appreciative. Oh, well, thank you so much, Bruce. You are so kind. It's great to be back on your program. I've been I've been missing you and Peg, so this is a wonderful time to be back and a great day because guess what? I am reporting from Lambeau Field now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, you all, you always tease me about uh, about me being a Packer fan because I was born and raised in Wisconsin, so I thought I would get back to you with that one. <laughs> well, and you know, I'm not. This, I'm not. <laughs> you're not at Lambeau, but what? But no, what I'm not. Have you on? <laughs> but but yeah, yeah yes, you're a Packer it's fan. A very special day. <laughs> It's 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 the big border battle game at Lambeau today, and I know a lot of uh, <laughs> listeners in Minnesota and Wisconsin will be uh, listening or watching the, the game at noon today. Hey, I think the last time I saw you, correct me if I'm wrong, um, was when I had you out to hear my wife sing. Is that the last time we were together? That was the last time, and oh my gosh, for those listeners who have not been to the Chan Hudson Theater and listened to Bruce's wife, it is definitely, definitely a must. She is amazing, an amazing singer. It was an amazing band, um, the Fleetwood Mac uh, um, uh, band. And, uh, yeah, I hope to get back there for sure this winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thank I got so to get you out. I got to get you out again as my guest. We'll, uh, we'll try a different show next time. Uh, but, hey, listeners didn't uh, tune in to hear us talk about uh, singing or the or the Packers Vikings game. They want to learn about money, and specifically today, we're going to talk about Social Security. Um, the Social Security Administration 
I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they always announce the changes for the following year in October, and I think that happened on October 12th, and you're here to update everybody on what, what's new for next year, yes? Yes, that's correct. So we are going to get a cost of living increase, and that's going to be 3.2%. So in order to be able to um, view your, your increase, you can log into my Social Security account, your My Social Security account, and you will be able to see um, uh, your benefit increase early based on um, that 3.2%. Now, if you do not have a My Social Security account, I definitely advise you to open one in order for you to view that, um, that increase. Otherwise, if you don't have one, then you can wait for the, the mailing uh, that we send out um, every December announcing what your 3.2% is going to be. And, you know, we do need to remind our listeners also, Bruce, that it is not the Social Security Administration that analyzes um, inflation and then determines what the, what the increase is going to be. That's actually the Department of Labor that analyzes the inflation, crunches the numbers, and then gives us the announcement of what that, um, what that amount is going to be. And, you know, when they do that cost of living adjustment, I, you know, I think a lot of people, and, and I'm glad you did that clarification, Rhonda, because a lot of people are, are frequently unhappy that they don't think it adjusts enough, that inflation, you know, what they're paying at the pump, what they're paying for groceries, that the cost of living adjustment, their Social Security benefit is not, you know, adequate enough for, for what, what they're feeling in their lives. And, and, and just for clarity, that's from the Department of Labor. And inflation is a tricky thing to measure. You know, we can talk about... CPI, consumer price index, or however they they measure inflation, but it's going to be different for everybody based on what you spend your money on. So some people that you know spend money on things that the inflation rate is higher than the average for for consumer price index, they're going to say, well, inflation's really higher than this. Other people are going to say, oh gosh, it doesn't seem that bad to me. And again, it's a the the, the measurement is a random sampling of goods and services that may not be applicable to a lot of people. So I think no matter what the Department of Labor does, th that's never going to be a perfect number, and there's always going to be somebody that's not happy with it. But the other thing I want you to talk about is, the, as, as our uh, listeners are out there, everybody's in a different situation, right? So some are single, some are married, some are divorced, some are widowed. Right. How, does, how, how, does, how, how does Social Security impact that? that variety of different people out there? So it's 2.2% for those individuals who are receiving a, a benefit. Don't worry, you don't have to actually start your benefits this year in order to get the 3.2%. It's, it's automatically folded into that calculation. And while it's not as much as last year's record 8.7% increase, um, the 3.2 is, is good because this means that we have a lower inflationary year. And it, it, the amount, the 3.2% amounts to about an extra $50 per month for the average retired worker. So we have our retired workers, the average is uh, $1,848 in the benefit. It's going to increase to about $1,900. Um, same with couples when they each receive a benefit. Uh, you know, they're, they're, each benefit is going to increase by approximately $50 per month. And then widows also, widows and widowers, um, so with, with children, they're going to see that increase. So they're, they're running about $3,540 per 
for a family, they're going to see that increase go up to 3,653. So it does make a difference in people's lives, and we're really um, glad to announce that that uh, that we are going to see that that increase. There were three years where there was no increase whatsoever because there was no inflationary rate, right? But um, yeah, it's much lower than last year's. But last year's and was going to be notified by now. I'm sorry. Yep, and everyone's going to be notified by mail, but you can go online and see um, see your benefits through your My Social Security account. So help people do that. For people that might not be familiar, Rhonda, with what you're talking about, if they don't have a My Social Security account, how do they do that? If they don't have a My Social Security account, you can go online to socialsecurity.gov and create an account. So I'm visualizing, you open up our, our, um, our website, you go down to about the middle of the page, you click on um, opening up a My Account, and then you're able to do it through, it's, it's like a third-party vendor called ID.me, and you can click on ID.me, ID.me, and then the second option would be um, login.gov. So we have two new ways a person can apply for or open up a My Social Security account which is much easier than the old um, method we used to have to use in order to apply for a My Social Security account or open up a My Social Security account. It's more streamlined and um, it's just a, a really excellent service. And not only are you going to go onto that My Social Security account to see your to see what the, the cost of living increase is going to be and how it will affect your benefit, you can also go on there in order to view what your benefits uh, would be for your family if you were to pass away or if you were to become disabled, what your, your benefit is going to be. So, yes, Bruce, the two new ways to sign up for a My Social Security account would be through the um, login.gov um, website or the ID.me one. Two new ways. I, I think that's great information for people, Rhonda, because, again, I know there's other listeners and folks out there that are sort of like I am and technologically challenged, and you need to kind of give, <laughs> give us instructions on how to do it. So a couple things occur to me. Number one, I just want to make sure I have clarity for, for myself and for listeners. If you're already drawing benefits to get the cost of living adjustment, you don't need to do anything. You're going to get it automatically. What about people that are just now considering exercising their benefit? Do they have a deadline or anything that they need to know to make sure they get this cost of living adjustment for next year if they're just thinking of starting their benefit? You know, we get this question quite a bit. Do I have to apply right now in order to be able to get that 3.2% um, uh, increase? And the answer is no. There's no COLA-related reason, cost-of-living-related reason, to apply now for Social Security benefits. That 3.2 will automatically be folded in if you want to apply next year. So you don't, you know, our listeners don't need to worry about, you know, about running out and applying right now in order to get that increase. And then I want to go back to my soul. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And so if you're if you're an insured worker, meaning you're vested in the Social Security grant, um, you're going to be eligible for a Social Security retirement benefit when you reach age 62. That's the minimum age. Regardless of when you choose to begin receiving Social Security retirement benefits, your monthly benefit will include all cost of living increases. And <clears throat> we do have a, a, a good uh, web page. You can check out Social Security Benefit Amounts webpage for more details, and it will go into the details of how that's folded in, how that's calculated in. And then also delaying your benefits. If you decide to delay your benefits, 
that's also an option to consider for those who may want to maximize their benefits in the future. Um, and so if we have somebody that's considering waiting until age 70 to get that 8% folded in, there's no COLA penalty for delaying your benefits. So you would just proceed as, as normal in, in um, selecting that date in the future. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something now. Um, if, again, if you do, I hope you don't mind. But you just mentioned something that might be confusing to some listeners. You talked about the 8%. Will you explain mm -hmm. the... Basically, there's an eight-year window from 62 to 70 that people can choose to begin receiving their benefit and how the dollar amount changes. The 8% you mentioned is the increase in benefit from one's full retirement age until the age of 70, but then if you, if you start your benefit before full retirement age, it's a reduced number. Can you just talk a little bit about that to give listeners some clarity? Yes, absolutely. And so if, if a person goes onto their My Social Security account, then they're going to see the different amounts at different ages. The longer you wait, the more you delay your benefits, filing for your benefit and taking your benefit, the higher that benefit is going to be. So you are correct, Bruce. An eight-year window. People have an eight-year window to decide when am I going to take my retirement benefit. And as they're delaying, as they're waiting for that benefit, between ages 62 and full retirement age, and 62 is the minimum age, so between 62 and full retirement age, a person's benefit is increasing by approximately 5.5% per year, okay, until they decide to take it. Once they're locked in, then they're locked in. Now, if that individual hits their full retirement age um, and they, 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 the, um, the, that increase changes, so once you hit your full retirement age, if you still want to delay uh, taking your benefit, that increase um, will be 8% per year. So you can gain quite a bit of money with that 8% per year until age 70. That 8% stops at 70. So that's the age 70 amount is the maximum dollar amount you can receive from the Social Security Administration for your retirement benefit. It's really important that you run these numbers. It's really important that you look at your, your work record. We take the top 35 years of work, 35 years of earnings. We, um, we do the, uh, you know, we do our calculation, our full retirement age calculation. I always say, if you're gonna, here's your full retirement age calculation, here's your 100% calculation. If you're gonna take your benefit under your full retirement age, it's gonna be less than this 100% I'm showing you. If you decide to wait to take your benefit, it's going to be more than this 100% that I'm showing you. So that 100% is just the base amount, and then it's gonna be up to that client, that customer, to decide when they wanna take their benefit. Thanks for, for clarifying that, Bruce. That 8% is really important. Yeah, and again, and we're not going to try to answer this for everybody today, but the, the, the age-old debate always goes on, you know, am I better off taking my benefits sooner and getting smaller paychecks but getting more of them, or am I better off waiting longer and getting bigger checks but getting less of them? And, of course, really at the end of the day what it comes down to is, when are you going to die, which we don't know the answer to that question. So as financial advisors, uh, Rhonda, we try to coach our clients and look at the things that we do know, and we factor those things in and helping to make that decision. But I always tell everyone, this, is never, this, this, this analysis can never be an exact science because we don't know when you're going to die. But 
there's a lot of things that we do know to help make sure we're hopefully making the best possible decision. One more thing before we move forward I want to ask you to do, please. Um, you keep mentioning and, and emphasizing the importance of getting a My uh, Social Security account. What are some of the other things that are in there or valuable to people to inspire them to go do that? I know it's a good idea, but I, um, what, what else can you tell people to convince them why it's a good idea? What other benefits are there? Oh, it's an array of, of um, just really great financial planning tools. Uh, I think that um, it's very important that you check your earnings record. So basically, it's a private um, uh, web page dedicated to you and all the work that you've done. And you go into that, that you sign up for, you register for that My Social Security account. You're able to view all of your earnings so you can make sure that um, every single penny you've ever earned is listed on our earnings record because remember, that's what we use when we calculate your top 35 years. So you want to make sure you don't have any missing years, especially if it's a high year. You want to make sure that that's, that's, that's brought into your calculation. Um, if you see that there, uh, you are missing um, uh, earnings on your record, we can resolve that. We just need a W-2 um, from that year or your tax return from that year, and then we can add that into your account. Um, so that's one really um, important piece of the My Social Security account. Also, I think it's really important for people to view what that, um, what that, that life insurance is. I always call it life insurance, but it's, you know, the survivor's benefit. If you were to pass away, how much are you leaving to your widow or widower? How much are you, are you leaving to your dependent children? So you're able to plan, you know, it helps you uh, plan, plan better. And then also it shows a disability amount. Just if you feel that you need to apply for disability benefits, you may be 62 or you may be 52, that disability program is there for you and you can see what your disability amount would be also. Um, you, can, you can actually, once you start your benefits, you can go into that My Account, you can change your direct deposit, you can change your telephone number address, so there's uh, so many services available under the My Social Security account. Please. So that's why I'm always, always pushing for, um, for people to enroll in that. And you can your notices, too. You can go in and see your COLA notice. You can see your 3.2% increase. So definitely um, it's an important uh, piece of planning group. Thank you for sharing that. I think that uh, if people haven't done it, they're going to want to go do it for sure, based on what you just said. Rhonda, we've got less than three minutes before we need to take our first break. If you joined us late, Rhonda Whitenack from the Social Security Administration is with us today. We're talking about all things Social Security, but particularly the cost of living adjustment for next year. And then also, Rhonda, you, we'd be remiss if we didn't hit on Medicare changes for 2024 also. Yes, definitely. We're going to need to talk about the Medicare changes. But before we leave this cost of living increase topic, I do want to let people know that, um, you know, we do have those earnings limits, which if you are, if you do apply for, for benefits, you can earn up to a certain, if you're under your full retirement age, you can earn up to a certain amount and it will not offset your Social Security benefit. And that is increasing. So with that 3.2%, that's folded into now an individual under their full retirement age can make up to $22,230 gross uh, per year without it affecting their Social Security benefit. If you go over that, then for every $2 you go over, you're not going to get paid one Social Security dollar. Once you hit your full retirement age, though, and continuing, you can make as much money as you want 
and it will your your social security benefit will not be offset. And then we have that middle tier of earnings, which um, if you uh, in the year that you're turning your full retirement age, so whether that's 67 or 66 and six months, everybody should know what their full retirement age is. Um, you can make up to $59,520 that in those months prior to your full retirement age. So yes, there are some some increases there that we will want to talk about, Bruce, and, and the Medicare piece is, is another one. Okay, let's. Uh, uh, I, thank you for bringing that up because that is confusing to a lot of people that would otherwise perhaps mm-hmm. start taking their benefit, but if they're still working and they make too much money, it's counterproductive. And I coach them, of course, <laughs> not to do that. So let's do this, Rhonda. Uh, we'll take our break. When we come back, we'll finish our discussion. We'll talk about Medicare changes for 2024 and anything else you want to make sure you uh, share with our listeners today. And then the rest of the show, we'll uh, let listeners ask their text and phone questions. Susie, I know we're getting close to break time. Yeah, let's take a minute here and remind folks they are already sending their questions, as you might guess, Bruce. This is a very popular topic. 651-461-9226. We'll take a break here. And when we come back on the backside, we'll get to some of these questions. There are at least a dozen or more ready for you when we come back. Wow. Welcome back. It is your money. If you have a question for Bruce and our special guest, Rhonda Whiteneck, you can call 651-461-9226. A lot of people have texted their questions there, Bruce. We do have a caller, Craig, from Brooklyn Park, also wanting to join the program. But before we do that, I'll hand it back to you, Bruce, to reintroduce our guest and kind of share listeners, share with listeners if they're just tuning in uh, what we're talking about today. Thank you, Susie Jones. We uh, appreciate you as always. Listeners, uh, if you joined us late, Rhonda Whitenack is a public relations and benefits training representative with the Social Security Administration. She's been on the show many times before. She is always a popular guest. In fact, Rhonda, I'm convinced I'm going to talk to my marketing team. we got to have you on even more often than we do because we never get to all the questions, and we probably won't today either. Uh, But we've been talking about mostly the cost of living adjustment that you'll see next year in your Social Security benefit. And, Rhonda, I'm going to leave it up to you. I know we had more information on the outline that we can share with listeners, but as Susie just told us, there are a lot of texts. There are, there's a caller on the line. I'll let you prioritize. Mm-hmm. If there's something else you want to make sure you want to cover before we get the listeners, let's do that. But then let's get the listeners as soon as we can. Rhonda? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's always, it's always great to get those, um, get those uh, uh, listeners calling in and asking their awesome questions. But, you know, I do want to cover, um, before we, we go to our listeners, uh, a new service that's available um, at uh, at Social Security and on our website at my Social Security account, uh, people can now get a Social Security replacement card. Let's say you lost it or you can't find it, it went through the wash, whatever it may be. If you need a replacement card, um, you can get one online. Your new card will have the same name and number as your previous card. It would be then ma- you you answer the identity questions. You go through the my Social Security account. You complete the application, and then um, you have to have, you know, an, uh, a valid uh, ID that you're going to input the information to, and then um, that card will come in seven ten business days. So you no longer have to go down to that office, wait in line, take a number in order to get that new replacement card. And then I know that, um, you know, many people, especially during the summertime, we get a high number of 
of, of name changes for marriage. So for those who have a name change, like a marriage name change, a divorce name change, you can now have it streamlined um, where you can change your name on the Social Security application, but we still need to see that proof or that verification of the name change, that proof of marriage or proof of divorce. You can schedule an appointment, though, in order to be able to get that service. So that's something new is scheduling an appointment for those name changes. And so I did want to emphasize that, and I know we were going to talk a little bit about Medicare, Irma. I'm sure that maybe we have listeners that are that are going to um, ask those questions about the income-related monthly adjustment amounts. If you are one of these, only about 7% of, of, of individuals have to pay that high Medicare Part B amount. But if you do and you don't feel that it's correct, you feel that, that um, Medicare used the wrong the wrong income limits because we go from your tax return or they go from your tax return from two years ago, you can ask for an appeal for us to review um, that high income, that that high Medicare Part B amount. And I mean, it's already, what, it's October, and let's say you've been paying this high amount the entire year and you didn't know you'd appeal that, you can still do that. You can still appeal it fill out the, um, uh, the Social Security form, SSA 44. You tell us why you don't feel that you should be paying that high amount. Could be because, you know, you, you don't have as much income uh, coming in. We'll review that, and you can actually get a retroactive check. We'll adjust it all the way back to January of 2023 and reduce that, that Part B amount, and then you'll get that money back in your pocket. So definitely that is something that we want people to know about. So with that, Bruce, uh, I'm I'm ready to take questions if you are. Susie, let's do it. All right, six five one four six one nine two two six. We'll start with a call. Craig is on our news line from Brooklyn Park. What is your question, Craig? And kind of keep it a little brief, only that we've got a lot of questions on the text line as well. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah. Good morning. I turned sixty six this December first. Therefore, my full retirement age, I believe, is May of 2024. I'm going to start drawing Social Security this January 2024. How much money can I make in 2024? I believe you answered my question of 59520 but I'm not sure. Yes, you were listening, Craig. $59,520. You can make that from January 1 to when are you? What's your full retirement age again? March? Did you? Uh, would May. May, May, of May of 2024. Okay. 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 Perfect. Um, so from January 1 through April, the end of April, you can make up to $59,520 uh, from your job and still receive your Social Security check. So if you're going to be under that 59520 in January, February, March, and April, that means you can actually start up your benefit in uh, January if, if you choose to because you're going to be under that limit, if you're under that limit, that is. All right. So thank you. That's good news, Craig. Yes, you're welcome. Hey, Craig, thanks for listening, and thanks for your question. Rhonda, I'm going to ask you just to expand Craig's question a little bit um, for all listeners and also kind of consolidate, uh, because you did it really, really quickly. When you went to Medicare, what you were talking about, people that aren't on Medicare yet may not understand. I think a lot of people, Rhonda, that aren't 65 and aren't uh, eligible for Medicare, they think it's free. Um, part A is free, that's hospitalization, but Part B, which is right. the bulk of your insurance costs, there's a cost. It's Medicare Part B, and that cost also is going up a little bit next year. I think uh, for most people it's going to be about 10 bucks a month 
So while, while our cost of living adjustment on our Social Security benefit is increasing, so too is our Medicare Part B cost. And then part of what you talked about was it's based on your tax return two years prior, but if you think that that was an unfair income that's, that was an aberration, you can, you can uh, request you know, to have your case reviewed. That's what you were talking about. And then what Craig was talking about that I would also like you to add clarity to is this concept of full retirement age. I can just imagine listeners going, well, what do you mean? I thought it was 66. I thought it was 67. What do you mean it's 66 years and six months? Explain a little bit for everybody the concept of full retirement age and how much income you can actually make before um, having a detrimental impact on your benefit. Yes, absolutely. So uh, your full retirement age, a person's full retirement age, is based on their year of birth. Um, those born between 1943 and 1954, full retirement age is 66. But for those of us who were born after 1960, our full retirement age is 67. Now, if you're born anywhere in between there, then it's going to um, it's going to be different. It's going to be either 66 in two months for those born in 1955, those born in 1956, 66 in four months, those born in 1957, 66 in six months, those born in 1958, full retirement age is 66 in eight months, and then those born in 1959 is 66 in 10 months. So your full retirement age is the key. That is what your calculation is at 100%, all right? So your calculation is at 100%. If you decide to take your benefit under your full retirement age, it's going to be less than that 100%. If you decide to take your benefit after your full retirement age, of course, it's going to be more than that, um, than that 100%. So we use that as a base, that full retirement age as a base. So when we're talking about earnings, if you're planning on working or if you're self-employed, if you're under your full retirement age and you decide to work and bring in money, then that means that um, you have an earnings limit, okay? And that earnings limit for those individuals is the $22,000. Now, in Craig's situation, um, his earnings limit this year is, is the $22,000, but he's going to turn full retirement age in 2024. So in 2024, that's going to open up a new earnings limit category for Craig, and that earnings limit is $59,520. So that a person can earn up to that in those few months leading up to their full retirement age. So, so in Craig's situation, he can earn $59,520 from his job or from self-employment and in those few months leading up to his birthday. And I know that's very advantageous to people because that means that they're working full-time they're, they're making under the 59000 in those few months leading up to, to, the, to the fraud or, or to the fraud date, but they're collecting their Social Security benefits concurrently because they are under that earnings limit amount. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people choose to do that. They're bringing in money from their job and they're getting their, their Social Security benefit. Then once they hit their full retirement age, then they catapult in the no limit category where they can make a million dollars if they want and still be eligible for each and every one of their social security benefit checks. So that's the, that's the earnings limit in a nutshell there. Bruce. So, and, and, and I'm going to throw it back to you in a second, Susie, because I know there's a lot of questions, yes. but again, just for clarity, uh, Rhonda, where, where this may impact Craig and any other listener. So you, you talked about the advantage sort of what, of what I call double dipping. You're still working, earning mm -hmm. your paycheck. 
and you're drawing your Social Security benefit. But if that number at the end of the year is too high, that could cause your Medicare Part B premium to be higher two years from now. So again, when you do this planning, you have to look beyond just the current tax year. That's correct. That's correct. Yep. And and so um, for those individuals, that 7%, like you mentioned, of, of Medicare people who have to pay a higher Part B premium, um, yes, that, that may affect them if, they, if they're catapulted into that higher income level. But then let's, let's fast forward two years down the line. The, the, the money that I'm making this year, right, um, is high, but in 2025, it's not going to be as high because I'm going to be quitting my job. So then that's where that person needs to look at their tax return and say, okay, can I lower my Part B premium? I, I'm being charged because of, of my income from two years ago. I'm no longer at that rate. I want to ask Social Security to lower that Medicare premium, and they can do that by filling out that life-changing, we call it a life-changing form, uh, where you annotate that your income is less. We review it. You supply us with the tax, the new tax return or the new W-2 that you have, and then you may, um, yes, that Part B may be lowered then um, based on that analysis. That's a great point. point and great clarification. Thank you. You're so good. Thanks, Rhonda. Susie? All right, 651-461-9226. I'll just try to get through as many as I can. Uh, early on, Texter wrote, I'll receive a pension through PERA since I worked in a school mm-hmm. district. Will the pension decrease mm-hmm. my Social Security amount in any way? No, it will not. It will not. The only ben- the only monies that are coming in that could reduce or offset your Social Security benefit would be money earned from your job, from work. So that PERA pension, mm-hmm. it will not affect her Social Security benefits. Okay, very good. The next texter writes um, along the same lines. I have a I have a police pension, so I am subject to okay. WEP. Is the amount shown on my yep. Social Security statement my actual benefit, or will it be reduced? No. See, this is different. This is different. So there are uh, groups of um, workers. I know that police, firefighters, um, state patrol. They do not pay into Social Security. So if you're not paying into Social Security, you know, how can you get that benefit out? Well, they may have had other work outside of that primary career where they did pay into Social Security. Mm-hmm. So they will get they will get a benefit from Social Security. It will not be what's on that statement, though. That okay. statement is, is, a, is a separate calculation. You're going to have to do the WEP calculator that's on our website at SocialSecurity.gov. Okay. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Let's do one more, and then we'll go to a call if you don't mind, Susie. Please ask if you took your own social security benefit at sixty three, but has a husband that died at forty six. Could that person change mm-hmm. and get his benefits at that age? Yes, they can. So that person is a widow, and uh, they have their own benefit. So they're going to have to make a choice: do they want their own benefit now and then switch to their widow's? Uh, at a at a different age, if they switch to their widows at full retirement age, um, then at their at their own full retirement age, they could get up to a hundred percent of their deceased spouse's benefits um, with that thirty five year calculation. So definitely, widows is very unique. It's very nuanced. That type of benefit definitely make an appointment. 
we will run the numbers for you, and then you can decide uh, which one you want to take first and whether you want to switch at a later date. Are you eligible, is a person eligible for their ex-spouse's pension, I mean, Social Security, even if they're divorced? Okay, so we do have something called divorce spouse's benefits. You need to have been married for 10 years or longer in order to be eligible for divorce spousal benefits. But by law, if you have your own work record, your independent work record, you have to take your benefits first before you can pull anything out of an ex's benefit amount. And uh, the maximum you could receive as a divorced spouse would be 50% of your ex's full retirement age amount. So if me on my own record, if my benefit is more than 50% of my ex's, I'm not going to get anything as a divorced spouse. Um, If it's less, then I may get the difference. So, yes, definitely, definitely inquire about that. 651-461-9226 Six five one four six one nine two two six is the number to call. We have, boy, just about five minutes, six minutes left. Should I keep going, Bruce, with questions? <laughs> sure, I, and then I, I'll have uh, I have one or two also. Okay, very good. Um, okay. This person writes. I just had it in front of me, and then it moved. <laughs> 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 Let's see. Is uh, the Medicare premium going up? Can you, which yes. would actually, go ahead. okay, go ahead. So, which would actually cancel the increase? What does the, oh, I see. Does this new benefit you're talking, this new increase cancel the premium going up? Uh, okay, so the, the, the does that premium make sense? Uh, currently, yeah, it, yep, I, I understand where they're going with it. Um, in 2023, the premium is $164 uh, per month, uh, and it's, it's pulled right out of this person's Social Security benefit check if they're on on benefits. Okay. That is going to increase to $134.70 in 2024. Now, this person is saying, all right, so what about that 3.2% increase? It's going to cancel it out. Well, what we have is um, we have something called the hold harmless rule, where we never want a person's benefit to be reduced based on the fact that Medicare is increasing. So that person will never get less than their current amount of benefit. We're, we're holding them at that amount. Okay. I want to ask you, and Bruce, I know you want to jump in, but this is a good question. This person wondered about turning 65 and did they have to file for Medicare? Is Medicare not an automatic thing or do you actually have to take action when you hit 65? Or would it just... Well, that's, autom- great- that's what I mean. I think people don't know that. They don't. I mean, there are there's a lot of people think that you will automatically get that card at 65. Yeah. And it is only automatic for the group of individuals that are receiving a benefit prior to age 65. Mm. If you're on benefits before age 65, then yes, it will be automatic. You will automatically get that. But if you're one of these individuals, like I believe, you know, a lot of our listeners might be saying, you know what, I'm not going to take it at that young age. I'm going to wait until I'm 67, 68, 69. For those individuals, then no, it will not be automatic. Mm. They have to actually initiate that application if they want to take Medicare. Do you have to take Medicare? You don't have to take Medicare, no. I, let's say I'm working full-time and I'm fully covered under my, my employer group plan. No, I don't have to take Medicare. Mm. And there is a um, provision where if they that person that's working, holding that private health plan through their employer, uh, at the point that they do leave their job and their employer group health plan is going to terminate, at least three months prior to that, we need to see a couple of forms from the employer um, proving to us, proving to Social Security that they were on their plan. 
no penalty. They can then sign up at no penalty whatsoever. And that's called the special enrollment period. It's special for those workers who are going to work past 65 and not have to take it because they're covered under their group plan. So it's really excellent, excellent uh, benefit for them. Um, and and it's this, with this new um, under the uh, under the Presidential Act, mm-hmm. uh, there's this new benef- beneficiary enrollment s- simplification, which just makes it sounds complicated now, <laughs> but it's going to get easier with Medicare. Okay. <laughs> it is. It's going to get much easier with Medicare. All right, Bruce, I'll let you go from here. Uh, there's a lot more questions, so you want to do whatever you want with the last bit here. We've got about three minutes left. Yeah, I'm, I, I, this is probably going to be our last topic. So, Susie, those were great questions. I love when you become the listener because I'm sure those questions were shared by a lot of listeners. Now, Rhonda, I'm going to lead you in here with my own situation and it goes back to Susie's question. I'll be 65 in February. I was looking at the decision, do I want to file for Medicare or not? I know I don't want Part B because I'm still working and I have good insurance through my company, and my wife mm-hmm. is considerably younger than I am and not eligible for Medicare yet, but then the question, do I take Part A because it's free, and I chose not to because if you file for Medicare Part A, then you can't contribute to a health savings account. I like contributing to my HSA, so I am not choosing to go on Medicare even though I'll be 65 in February, but my question, or a question from a texter, wanted you to comment on using an HSA to pay Medicare Part B premiums instead of Social Security if they're not on Social Security yet, and we're down to about a minute. Okay, so in that scenario, right, you cannot contribute to an HSA and concurrently be on Part A. True, they're both government subsidies. You can't use two government subsidies together. So you have to choose one or the other. So with that HSA, if it's only when a person is contributing. So if let's say this person leaves the company, they're bringing their HSA with them or have access to their HSA, that's okay if you pay the Medicare Part B premium with your HSA monies. You're not contributing. You're, you're, you're just pay, that's what it's there for, to pay your health insurance bills. So in that scenario, that person's going to be fine as long as they're not contributing while they're on their Part A. Rhonda, you are always awesome. The show always goes too fast. I'm sure Susie's got a dozen questions there. I promise I'm going to work with marketing to get you back sooner and not wait until next October again. It's so valuable. I would love that. Yeah, it's so valuable. So many people have questions. So thank you both. And if you wanted to reach out, let me just say that to you, Rhonda. Is there a place people can get questions through Social Security? And we have 10 seconds. Yeah, so we have... Yep, so we have a great FAQ section. I mean, all of your, your questions can be answered there. Um, tune in. Uh, you know, I do a lot of public outreach, a lot of, okay, I do a it. lot of seminars. Where do you okay, find you? So thank Where you do very you, much. How do you find you? Uh, SSA.gov. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bruce. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye.